If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity Blah, the Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. So you're, um, you've got a much nicer chance of getting nice mushrooms if you take a tissue sample from a nice mushroom, whereas a spore print, there's a lot more variability. There's, there's millions of genetic codes inside a spore print. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with the mysterious Jeff from Spores Lab a little bit later. Uh, about how to grow your own magic mushrooms. Of course, he sent us uh, a kit. We've been we've been trying some stuff at home. We got a little report to get into there, which will be fun. And uh, yeah, fun chat. It's good chat. The video for this is great. It's definitely one of the ones you might want to head over to the YouTube channel and check out the video for. We kind of do a, a deboxing and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, just fun cats, fun chat. Speaking of fun cats. We got uh, Grandma Grammerica shirts getting tighter, Dunlop. No, going, it's getting looser, dude. What it's are you talking looser? about, buddy? I can't believe you <laughs> throw me under the bus like that. Maybe I was going to open up this intro with I've lost 14 pounds 14? in three weeks, less than wow. three weeks, probably. Well, actually, it's been Is that since. healthy? It's been, <laughs> <laughs> it's been since January 1st, but I didn't really start my animal product diet until. I eased my way into it, so I haven't been fully animal product till maybe like the second week of January, and it's January 31st today, I guess, is it? 31st? It is the 31st. I think we should have Dr. Paul Saladino on the show, talk about carnivore diet. He breaks it down really well. Like, he gets into that whole, you know, that whole cancer scare, the red meat thing and all the studies that the media just went wild with about five years ago, mm-hmm. breaks all that down to the bullshit that it really is. But yeah, man, I'm doing well. Are you straight yeah. carnivore now? Yeah. Straight carnivore for three weeks. Probably lost 14 pounds. Feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of energy, lots of focus, lots of drive, feeling better cognitively. I think. What are you eating? A lot of bacon and eggs. Well, I mean, yeah, lots of bacon and eggs. Yeah. Bacon like and eggs is three this, times a day. No, no, once a, once a once day, day kind of, or on, only during the week now, because then on weekends I make myself something else. Okay. So that's a little like bit of starter. steak, a little bit of chicken, a little bit of liver, trying to get used to the liver, a little okay. bit of fish, some prawns, some scallops, you know, trying to mix that in. It's hard to tell. It's probably a little more expensive. I'm trying to find the flow of how to cook for myself without things going bad and how to, you know, it's, it's a bit of work that way, but. I could bust in the meat, no problem. In some ways, it's hundreds easy. Hundreds of pounds of meat. Right no, there. I know, I know, I know. I got and some. Eggs. I had some of your sausages for breakfast. I got an egg factory out back too. Yeah, that- <laughs> I've been thinking about it. Yeah, it's been good, dude. I, I'm thinking. Here's the thing. I was thinking, like corn goes right through your body, comes out in your poop. I mean, not all of it, but some of it comes out in your poop. Enough Is, to what's be alarming. Your bo- enough to like. What's your body do? Is your body can't process that? Are you even getting anything from it? 
So the, the animal stuff, like I'm losing weight and I'm hardly going to the bathroom. And I think it's because your body's using it all up properly. There you go. It'll Hopefully be interesting. It's not just blocked up in there. No, no. Well, it's not. I've, I've lost 14 pounds. I, I, that's, that's the right. thing. I don't feel bloated at all. I so feel you've lost 14 I feel pounds like, without pooping? No, no, no. Okay. Poop, but not as much. Like, it's not, it's the, you know, I mean, I'll get into a regular rhythm. I'm Is sure it it's heavier? not. It's different. I don't want to get too detailed into <laughs> that. But, you know, it's just, I might, I mean, I might try vegan later too to see what the difference is. I mean, I'm interested in, in both, to be honest. Think so? Yeah. But I don't think I'll, that'll stick. From I'm what I've of, learned from Paul Saladino, I mean. I'd like to do more meat. I mean, I'd usually just do, I do a lot of bacon and eggs for breakfast. And then, uh, you know, I, I should try I should try just doing fucking sausages or steaks or roasts. or. What about the nitrate problem with bacon? I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I got to look into that. I want to know what Paul says about that. But anyways, that's, that's right now. That's, this is what it is. So bacon's delicious. Yeah. And it's helped my girlfriend too. She's got that autoimmune, uh, EDS problem. I mean, I think it's, it's, we're still, it's still too early to tell, but her joint pain went away. Her, a lot of like that, that type of stuff went away and she's on it to try and see what's going to do for her health. Cause she's always got, uh, different issues happening. Well, that's good. There you go. Back to trying new things. Yeah. I feel like I should have had the... A jingle ready or something? The biohacks jingle ready for you. It's not a biohack. It's just a diet, whatever. Isn't that a... A, a diet doesn't count as a biohack? Isn't the oh, diet the other, like the original the other The other thing is, I should say, is, it, is I've sort of been intermittent fasting too because I'm not eating snacks at night. I'm just having some herbal tea and... No you know, snacks. No snacks. No snacks. I just... But I'm not hungry. No coffee? That's the other thing. I'm not hungry. Yeah, I have a little bit of coffee. What I've been down in the coffee. From? It's yeah, that, that's the only <laughs> thing left. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to have you back, buddy. I've, I've been inter- I've been intermittent fasting, pretty much. Like I don't eat till nine. I don't eat until nine thirty on the weekends. It's like I haven't eaten today at all, and I'm fine. I'm not. You're not even hungry. Like there's a little bit of a hunger, but coffee. it's not that it's not that hunger that you're used to when you eat a bunch of empty carbs, you know, and and you're hungry after. I'm hungry now. I know. I'm getting hungry now talking about it. Oh uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any do any any sausages in the fridge? Freezer only. Freezer only. I got okay. chicken out for dinner. All yeah. right. I got a shit ton of eggs. Yeah, I bought a bunch too, but I'll I'll, I'll if you if you got leftover eggs, I'll start taking them from you because I'm eating about a dozen a week. I get three eggs a day. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, anyways, before I forget, anyways. Uh, and in, uh, please send good vibes. Everybody out there, please send good vibes to a longtime listener and supporter of the show. Good vibes to Gary and his very ill lady Maria. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> send out those good vibes. Good vibes. Gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude. So, what do you want to get into now? Do you want to talk about uh, Grammarica Outlawed or the Shroom Update? I got some synchronicities. This is where we ramble on before the show starts. 
Been rambling for seven minutes already. We got, so. we got some housekeeping done, and we talk about listener stories and stuff like that. Well, we did the, uh, Natasha and I got the first batch of shrooms, Sue. We nice. Did, uh, we didn't get as much as we'd hoped, but I don't think we took the... The care that he told you to yeah, take? Yeah, I don't think we quite took that as seriously as we needed to, so the next time around we'll try that. The cleanliness aspect? Or? Yeah. Well, how did, like how did... wearing a mask and all what? that stuff. Because really? you could actually see spots in the medium where shrooms grew and where they didn't. And my understanding you think is that your moist the talking? whole thing will grow. Your breathing? Your moist breathing? Or just not spraying down. Like some, wherever stuff gets in, the shrooms don't grow, I guess. Okay. So uh, we're going to try it again. We got a couple more well, you got a lot though, through. right? I think we got about two ounces. Wow. All dried and said and done. Wow, really? Eh? Two yeah. ounces. And how long did that take then? So when was this episode? That was probably about a month. Yeah. Total. About a month. And then I got another batch up in the cupboard ready to go into dirt. And then I got two more to start playing around with. But I ordered some more of that dirt because I didn't realize it had to be all sterilized and everything. And there's a big process to that that I don't really want to get into. But what about... So, so what I just about, ordered it from Spores Lab. Okay. Now what about the new... The... Didn't... So... Did you already go through the cycle of picking and then letting more grow up and picking and letting more grow up? And it's in the process of waiting for the second grow up to come right now. Oh, so that was only the first batch then. Yeah, really, we probably right? got about an ounce and a half out of the first batch, and then we'll probably get another. I think you get less the second time around. So we'll I wonder if the potency is different. I guess not, eh? And I think I'm going to try some uh, next weekend. Okay. Yeah. Try, a, try a couple grams out, see what happens. Yeah. Well, you take a heroic dose. I mean. Uh, I think I'm good. No? How do you just tell people to take heroic doses or you don't even do psychedelics? Because you. Because you have, you have such a tolerance <laughs> for everything. You could do whatever. You could probably do the whole thing. Heroic doses are intense, bro. You can't just I know. dive I, into I've, that. I've done it. But usually I was drunk. Yeah, I don't think that counts. <laughs> yeah, so I'll have a better update in another week or two. Okay. When I've uh, sampled the product. But they look nice and blue. I don't nice. see any blue? reason. Why. Yeah. They're so blue. That's a good sign. They've got some blue in them, yeah. In the stem. Oh. Huh. You never had magic mushrooms that's blue in the stem? I don't think so. Dose? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So I'll probably have a little uh, trip report coming up in a couple of weeks. Nice. So what do you want to get into next? You want to get into uh, Outlawed or something different first? Or do you want to get into um, Synchronicity, let's say? Do you want to do that? Sure. Which synchronicity jingle do you want? Uh, whatever you want. Whatever, I, ooh, boy's choice. I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. All right, this is from Dylan. Great email. Thanks for the email, Dylan. Hey, Graham, longtime listener of the show. Love what you guys do and how you do it. Probably one of the most, if not most, enjoyable conspiracy, supernatural, spiritual, all that good stuff podcasts out there. Your podcast has actually helped me find sense in a chaotic world at times. Anyhow, I figured I'd share with you my relationship with, or should I say, suffocation by the synchronicity phenomena. For the last decade or so, I've had countless repetitive and regular coincidences in my daily life, stretching from the mundane, thinking of a word and hearing it at the same time on the radio, to the profound, almost a perfect record of thinking about certain individuals whom I do interact with regularly before receiving a message or a call from them or encountering them in the street. 
I've reached a point of frequent synchronistic experience that I can almost anticipate a particular scenario being a burgeoning coincidence before it manifests as one. Hmm. Two particular stories spring to mind. The second was as recent as today, which prompted me to spam you. That's Spamgram, Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Yeah. Your stories, sightings, synchronicities, trip reports, feedback, all that good stuff. I'll try to keep the story short and to the point. Number one, about a year ago, I planned to meet an old girlfriend. No, sorry. I'll redo that. About a year ago, I planned to meet an old friend and go to a pub for ketchup. I also had a complicated dating life at the time. Upon reaching for the door of the pub, I had a sense I'd see the woman who I was avoiding. (laughs) I've never seen her in that pub as it isn't her type of place. She usually works night shifts at another bar on Saturdays, and I'd never bumped into her in town before. There's at least a hundred bars or pubs here. As soon as I opened the door and enter with my friend, she was stood at the bar facing the door. Coincidence, but not unreasonable. Moving on, we sit and have a joke and share stories, one of which was recalling how we used to drop off fruit from a car park as kids, like, you know, off the top of the car park, dropping (coughs) fruit off and watching it smash on the ground. I never got into that. (laughs) Neither did I. We didn't have any car parks in my town. Yeah, that's right. Actually, there was one. Finishing our drinks, we left out the back exit and turned the corner. There, on the side of the road, was a smashed melon. It was 12 at night. No supermarkets or grocers nearby. No car parks. It even blew my pretty straight-laced friend's mind. Number two, there was a card game, 1994 by Steve Jackson called Illuminati. I decided for fun to buy a pack. I searched Google and landed on a reasonable price deck or pack and debated ordering. Scrolling through the seller's page, I see he is from a town in Rhode Island, Warwick, with the same name as the town I in the UK live in, Warwick. Not one to ignore fate or coincidence, I couldn't resist. Well, the cards arrived today about 12 hours ago now, An hour ago, I'm scrolling through Reddit, and a post catches my eye. It's a post about the 1994 card game Illuminati. (laughs) I got an... Did I tell you I got an email from them? Reddit? No, Illuminati. From the card game. The Illuminati emailed you? (laughs) (laughs) What'd they say? They said, we're making a new game. You want to talk about it? Oh, really? And I think I I think I waited too long. And then they won't, they haven't replied. And then I said, yeah, yeah, sorry, I was delayed. And yeah, we'd like to talk to you about it. Huh. They said, no, fuck you, buddy. Just a, (laughs) it's a fish hook or. How long did you leave them for? Maybe they just wanted us to Maybe a week or or something. something. I don't know. But I would like to talk about it because people that play it say it's pretty, pretty portent. Portent? Yeah. What's that? Like futurist, reading the future. Probably not in the exact Prescient? way I should have. Yeah, that, that could work too. Portent? <laughs> Portent. So I guess both of these aren't too incredible, but added to the countless experiences I've had and the fact that one is a string of related synchronicities and the other is multiple synchronicities in a close period of time. Well, I definitely think there is something real, unexplainable, and quite psychedelic about the phenomena. So feel free to use my message or the stories or whatever you found interest them as interesting as I do. If not, no worries. Keep up the good work, guys, and bring about and bring out some Grimerica logo pockets. What the fuck's a logo? Pocketees. 
What's that? And bring out some Grimerica logo pocket tees with a smiley face, shivers and vibrations. Dylan. Dylan. What's a pocket tee? What's a pocket tee? I don't know. That might be a UK thing. We've got to ask our UK posse. I'm Googling it. Pocket tee. Actually... Is it a t-shirt? Is that tea for t-shirt? God Pocket. damn it. I'm not Googling it. You're dissenting I'm it? duck, duck, going it. No, I'm on, I, went, I ended up on Brave. Yeah, I heard dissenter had problems. I know, me too. And yeah, I, I don't want to start putting my passwords into it. Oh, I just, I already did. So I'm already on there. God damn. What was I checking again? Pocket, Pocket tea. Pocket. Do you think that's like. I think it's a t-shirt. It's another name for a t-shirt. Like T as in t-shirt. Pocket t Pocket dash T, the, the letter. Yeah, pocket T's, Walmart. Walmart? Well, I just like, I think it's just like, a, yeah, it's just a shirt. Why do they call it pocket? I oh, because it's got a pocket in it, maybe? Do they like the pocket? They put things in well, the... these do all have pockets in them, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the pocketed shirt's an option. I haven't checked. Like a pen? Think to put a pen in it? A little pocket protector. Huh. Huh. Well, we do have a bunch of shirt, grimerica.ca slash swag. I got to talk to uh, uh, Ellie because I got uh, I got the out, Grimerica Outlawed stuff I can send her now with the transparent background and the brand in case she wants to make some clothes out of that. But then I'll see if there is a pocketed shirt we can get. But we do have all kinds of shirts, all kinds of stickers, masks, you name it, all that stuff available at grimerica.ca slash swag. I still want to get my, why would you take a trial vaccine that's less effective than sunlight t-shirt made up here. Um, if you guys have t-shirts ideas, send them to Graham. Maybe it shouldn't be a question. It should be a statement that sounds ridiculous. Like I'm taking a like, gene no, no, no. therapy jab that's less effective than sunlight. No, no. I like the question. It I'm sounds not. rhetorical though. It is rhetorical. I know. Then it might annoy people. So, no, but it's not rhetorical if you're that person who's considering <laughs> getting the vaccine. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. Less effective than sunlight. What? We should have... A bunch of restaurants opened here, actually. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 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 yeah there's a fight. There's a fight for opening up, it seems. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, restaurants have started actively opening for sure. And then, of course, you know, the media is demonizing us. The semi-free part of the world. Semi-free. Hey, I'm still not happy about any of it, but I do like that they've given us some clear numbers to look for now. Yeah. So at least. Yeah, but we're, that's unique. Yeah. It might be the it might be the best data in the world, and I'm not saying that it's accurate data from a a true, real truth perspective. Like maybe there's a lot of um, those cases on there. Like they're we, they're told to do. They put. COVID down, even if they didn't die from COVID, right? If they had it, like yes. that's in there mixed in there too. So I believe those numbers, even though they're more accurate or more, there's more information in them than everywhere else in the country. Maybe the newsletter the world. had a good breakdown, but what I'm saying is that's still overinflated. I believe because they've been told to put with and not from when I broke down all the Alberta stats in the newsletter, <coughs> I got it down to about 22. Yeah. Deaths from COVID. That's misinformation. Or what, what, what did the... Disinformation, no, misinformation. No, what did somebody say? What did somebody say? They 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 uh, they canceled the newsletter after that saying it oh, was... Oh, it's uh, inappropriate content. Inappropriate content. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's, I mean, government stats, you know, for the most part, it's usually inappropriate. Pretty appropriate, yeah. Can't help it. He'd usually be right. Uh, what else we got? Well, I got a, I got a quote, but it's really what a, what it's going to be is it's an update from Mutual UFO Network in the newsletter. That's going to be my quote. So is quote. this a UFO quote? It is, yeah. Oh, well, I got a quote. See, why didn't you, why wouldn't you have said that? So I've got the regular jingle queued up. People will fucking freak if I let you do a UFO quote and I don't use UFO coaching. Okay, go for it. Darren and Graham going deep. This one, I love it. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Okay, this isn't so much a quote, it's a featured sighting in the newsletter. So Chris and two friends were looking forward to a New Year's Eve fireworks show from their back porch in Apollo Beach. Apollo Beach is on Tampa Bay, West Florida. Their house is located in a suburban neighborhood with trees and overhead power lines. It was a cloudy night, and Chris set up a camera with MyOps, continual shoot feature allowing multiple images to be automatically recorded. Apparently, the automatic camera recorded the presence of something that no one expected or saw. The camera apparently photographed what could be called a very long cylinder-shaped object with an unexpectedly narrow dynamometer. Dynamometer. Dynamometer? Yeah. See below. According to Chris, who is formerly or currently in the military, the object had multiple red and white exterior lights. The object was estimated to be 24 degrees above the horizon, perhaps 500 feet to one mile in distance. Wow. In the photograph below, a white shaft of light appears center left of the field of view. After the object was photographed, it apparently disappeared shortly thereafter. David Toon, MUFON field investigator for this case, then took the MyOps camera image above and performed an enhancement process to determine the structure of the object. The process is outlined below. The final rendering is shown here. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Some of the red orbs appear to be outside of the main structure. The case was closed as an unknown strange. Chris's testimony for this case follows. I was at my sister-in-law's house on the back porch taking photos of the fireworks. I'm using a Nikon D5300 on a tripod with a MyOps on continual shoot. While I was standing there, my camera started shooting pictures when nothing I could see was apparently seen by the camera. Please see attached photos. All photos are raw and untouched. Draw your own conclusions. But I was standing there the whole time and did not see anything or hear anything but the sound of fireworks. Each of these pictures are a two-second delay. For whatever, this is to go from basically overhead to around five miles in two seconds. And I'll leave it at that because then they go into the process of edit, of uh, the MyOps and how we processed it in Adobe, all that kind of stuff. Adobe? Yeah. Like how they took the image to try and figure out what was behind it. It looks, it looks pretty interesting. It, you know what it does remind me of? It reminds me of what the guy saw at the CAC, man. It's like a tube. The it's like a thing? tube thing. Whoops. It's like a tube thing oh, with yeah. a bunch of lights in it. I mean, it really does look like a straightforward version of what they saw at CAC and what, what was seen all over the place around that time, which happened to be also around the time when Elon Musk launched his 30 Elon. fucking satellites. But I don't think it was the same thing because the timing was off. From the actual sighting. And that was seen twice at CAC by two different groups of people. 
Two different groups, unrelated. Unrel- what do you mean unrelated? Well, they were all at CAC. But they were two separate groups. They hadn't met each other. Yeah, they had. Had they? Oh, I don't know. I don't think oh, you think it was two separate time? Uh, like when there was two, two separate, separate groups, groups at CAC? Oh, yeah, yeah, probably right, yeah. You just spittled on the mic. You know. gave it COVID. I know. So there you go. All right. That's it. Yeah, that's it for that. Fantastic. All right, let's get into. What's that noise? Looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dish fire. Prism. Sentry Eagle. Sigma. Mannequin. Artichoke. MK Ultra. Operation Project. Operation Project. All right, so this is an interesting one with uh, what we're what we're talking about today. Ooh. It's called Operation Intercept. Ooh. You heard of that before? Operation Intercept. Yeah. No, I heard of like Glenn Greenwald's Intercept. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is this is from this is blog. This is from Wikipedia, but then I'm going to talk about it from another web page. So Operation Intercept was an anti-drug measure engaged by Nixon, effective the 21st of September. Effective 21 September 11, 1969. What does that mean? 21st of September. 11. It says a dash 11 though. Hmm. Anyways, it resulted in a near shutdown of border crossings between Mexico and the U.S. The initiative was intended to reduce the entry of Mexican marijuana into the United States at a time that was considered to be the prime harvest season. It was implemented by Miles Ambrose, who was who served as commissioner of customs in the Nixon administration. Oh man. I mean that's what so that was a couple years before I was born, nineteen sixty nine. Look at how it's changed since since then, eh? When were you born? Seventy one? Yeah, seventy. So it was a year before you were born. It was deployed in all thirty border crossings. Radars were installed to detect unobserved border crossings. The Navy was deployed in the Gulf of Mexico to reinforce the operation. Twenty seven international airports in the US with flights from Mexico were also affected by the operation. Seems like a racist stop. On the eighth day. <laughs> imagine if that happened now. <laughs> we're gonna shut down the border because of marijuana. On the eighth day, the U.S. authorities declared the ongoing operation was a success, despite many complaints of abusive search techniques by U.S. Customs Patrols. On the U.S. side of Twin Cities along the border, retail businesses dropped by more than 50%. Because of complaints from cross-border travelers and from Mexican President Diaz Ordaz, the searching of vehicles was reduced after 10 days and completely abandoned after about 20 days. The Nixon administration believed that it had largely achieved its goals of encouraging the Mexican government to begin an effort to stem domestic drug production. Why? Because they're going to do it themselves? That's right. Eh? I mean, holy. I don't want to get into the whole aftermath there, but I want to. <laughs> That's when they're switching their shipping up to themselves. And they're then they installed the drugs in house. And they use that to install all this fucking equipment, radar, probably, to change the whole infrastructure of the border. Process. That's nothing. <laughs> Makes no difference. They could have just built a wall. They just made themselves some, their own tunnels. Yeah, exactly. 
So CIA tunnels. And then it goes to Operation Intercept, The Perils of Unilateralism by Kate Doyle. And this is the natural, National Security Archive. And it says this new electronic briefing book on Operation Intercept, the Nixon's government's unilateral attempt in 1969 to halt the flow of drugs from Mexico. The collaboration grew out of a shared desire to publish and disseminate a wide audience, newly classified documents about the United States and Mexico. And then I want to just scroll down here a little bit. Um, it began on the border between Mexico and the U.S. <clears throat> at the time, U.S. concerns were focused not only on the rising drug use at home, but also among American soldiers in Vietnam. <laughs> The idea for a war on drugs grew out of a campaign pledge Nixon made in September 68 in Anaheim and remains today a spawning ground for grassroots political conservatism. Let's see, the home is Nixon's silent majority, his deep political base among white middle-class Americans who feared the political and social changes that were rolling, roiling U.S. society in the late 60s. So... He established this special presidential task force relating to narcotics, marijuana, and dangerous drugs, placing his hardline attorney general, John Mitchell, and the secretary of treasury, David Kennedy, in charge. This task force based its work on the premise that one of the most serious challenges facing the U.S. was drug abuse. Jeez. The group spent eight weeks assessing the dangers of marijuana, the flow of drugs over the Mexican border, and strategies to control drug smuggling and marijuana cultiva cultivation. I'm just scrolling down here because I want to find the place about uh, where they talk about over overseas. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it leave it at that. I think there's a whole whack more information here. Leave it at it gets that. Into, it gets into Watergate and Ooh. and the border customs and immigration agents and I thought they talked about this moving to uh, to Vietnam or to uh, Turkey. There was a there was a thing about Turkey and the poppies. It'd be interesting to know when mushrooms were classified as a uh, Schedule One drug. Yeah, is it still? Yeah, I think it's still schedule one. It's number one on my schedule. Um, <laughs> what is it called again? The drug cannabis? Uh, no, what's the psych? What's the level called? Schedule. Schedule one. Yeah. Uh, so we should mention we do have the new podcast out, Grind America Outlawed. Of course, if you guys want to sign up for that. Uh, if you just search for it and you're like pod players, I'm sure it's there. Have we put the show the link in the show notes yet? Yep. For the new RSS feed? Yeah. All right. Well, I think so, yeah. yeah it should be, it'll be in there for this time for sure. All right. So, yeah, that's the new RSS feed. If you're on the black budget before, you've already sort of swung over. You're already on uh, Grand America Outlawed. We started doing the interviews for it. Last week, we got a couple other stuff in there. So the other that's our feed where we can kind of – Go a little deeper, get a little crazier, a little more controversial without worrying about uh, upsetting this feed or what we've built here for eight years or getting that banned or deplatformed or anything else, at least as much as possible. That being said, we are always working to defend against that in the background with self-hosting and all that. Which as, we got to get well, into too. Which we got to get into as well. Um, which is all that sort of stuff we do with grandamerica.ca slash support with your value for value dollars and 
And I think the first thing, because some people did seem a little confused on the social media, so that one of the first things I want to bring up is that is that nothing's changing on this podcast. The Grimerica Show, as you see it in your podcast players, you're listening to this show on it right now, is going to keep coming out every week just as it has for the last eight years. Or to be eight years in a couple of months, we're going to hit episode 500 here right away and coming up in another few months. And that's not going to change. Nothing changes here. This Even is, extra content, like we threw an audio book out there as well yeah. recently. And that's Dave Smith's nothing's uh, gonna ethical change mindfulness. Yeah. We're going to keep doing things the way we've always been doing it here. We're never going to change anything in this feed. Uh, and we're hoping that doesn't change the value for value model either. The fact that we're, we've launched another show and that, that doesn't change things here or that it doesn't affect any subscriptions or anything like that. Uh, that being said, we have launched the new show as uh, more of the... the premium content model. Um, you know, after eight years of doing this value for value, we're still very much reliant on full-time day jobs and things like that. And, you know, we just want to try something new with this new feed, which we're also self-hosting all of that premium content right from the beginning, which gives us the ability to put whatever the fuck we want in there. There's yeah, it's, no, it's not in iTunes. It's not any place. It's not on anybody else's servers but ours. So that extra hour of content or whatever we put in there behind that, <clears throat> that paywall is 100% safe. Well, I mean, I guess as close to 100 as we can get. That's probably like 95. Yeah, yeah. It's as close as you can get. I mean, they could still court order you and shut down our servers and stuff like that. But they can't just cancel us without a good long fight. Yeah. So that's where we're going to put, I mean, we're going to do the interview style like we do now. We're going to put, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing, giving you the free show there too. So we're hoping the way that people that aren't going to sign up for Grimerica Outlawed Plus are going to look at it as, hey, we're getting an extra hour of Grimerica content a week or yeah. an extra 45 minutes or an extra, because that show comes out on Fridays and that's a weekly show. And this show comes out on Sundays. Now this show has been kind of all over the place. There's the not much, of, there's not but much of always an intro come out weekly. There's not much of an intro and, and we're going to get right into the topics there. Yeah. We're going to leave the intro and the ramblings and all that stuff in Grimerica. Everything over there is going to be sort of two, three minute intro into the interview. The interview is going to be about two hours and they're going to be cut in half. Probably a little more heavy stuff there, you know, a little more heavy stuff there global, sure. global control and vaccines stuff, and big pharma and vaccines. COVID and maybe 5G and, you know, all that stuff that is a little bit heavier. Yeah. So there is, that's over at grandamericaoutlaw.ca. Like I say, there's a free feed as well. So you get an extra show every week now on top of this one. Um, and then if you guys do see so fit to head over there and click on the plus button and sign up for plus at $6 and 39 cents a month. And that gives you all the extended shows, which would be, you know, we've got Matt Landman in there. We've got an hour free and an hour paid. And we've also started putting in uh, these Grimerica Read segments where Graham's finding some more controversial articles on COVID testing. Vaccines. And vaccines and other possible COVID cures. And I think the last one we put in there was uh, the plot to take over the world via COVID. So we're doing a lot more of that kind of stuff. And instead of... Instead of doing it here and keep getting YouTube strikes and stuff like that, we started the Outlawed channel, and a lot of that stuff is we're putting in there as extra content as well. And uh, that being said, you know, if you want to go over to Plus and sign up there and you, you can't afford to maintain both subscriptions, we understand. Our hope is that it's not going to affect our value for value here. Um, but at least the way we've set it up so it's completely on our own infrastructure, it's not affecting us 
too bad. It's like not you, like you're taking your money from here and taking it across the street. You're just exactly. kind of taking it around to the back door. Exactly. So yeah. So if you're if you are if you can't subscribe to both and you are subscribing to the regular value for value Grand America, you can just cancel that and resubscribe. Yeah, you, I can't at, uh, do it manually. It's just too much. It's an automatic thing. It's an thing, automatic so. process. The other thing I want to mention is if you do sign up for Plus, sometimes it'll just reload that page. You need to click on the Plus content and go there. If you put in your info again, it'll charge you again. And I've had to do a couple of things. You're going to try and put a note in there or something. I'm going to try and do a note in there today. I've I've been busy as fuck trying to do all that. And the other thing is we migrated the chats over and changed the links. So that's I wanted to talk about that too, because that's self-hosted, right? That's been a fucking nightmare. And we're still working out some kinks over there, but it's working. Everyone's in there. We got 150, 150 or more people are over there now. Okay. So I, I even got in there on my own. So let's explain this. So the discord chats is our main chats. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. It was our main chat. Yeah. That was where everybody would, everybody would go. There was a thousand people in there or whatever. Yeah. We I, want to migrate all those people or whoever can come over to Mattermost, basically, right? Which is then yeah. connected to our self-hosted server. And the reason is Discord has been getting more and more and more blatant with their censorship. They've deleted the THC server now. They've deleted oh, really? Sam Tripoli server. Oh, my server. God, yeah. So we're only, like, we're, we're you know, a little bit behind them in listenership, so. And then I'm talking to my buddy I, and he's been, he's had, like, four of his Discords really? disappear. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. So... And then we had the, they just deleted that other one. So that kind of shows their hand. They're showing their hand. Yeah. And then we can't get it. We can't, I mean, that's where we can talk to everybody directly is in our chats. Really? I mean, the newsletter only goes out to a quarter of those people. And yeah, exactly. And the interest. And and so we had to make a choice is because when those servers disappeared, they were just gone. Yeah. So the risk was that we just waited out. And not only that, I can't, I don't feel good about like I've deactivated my discord account. Cause we're, I pay these fuckers money to be a, a, whatever they call it, a boosted member. And then the server I've boosted a bunch of times so that we can have the extra emojis. So we're paying discord 50 or $60 a month for all these enhanced features. And they're banning our friends and they're acting in a way that I can't support. So with my attention or with their dollars. So what I've done is I've backed out, I've delete left all the servers I was in there and I've just left or discord completely deactivated my account takes two weeks before they actually delete it. They send you a cute little email trying to convince you that it's been an accident. Wow. But so it's you're one already of those, out of there. You, yeah. I mean, you left that out. You're just doing it, I'm right? Done. Just, yeah. So, oh my God. Okay. So people got to get their ass to matter most. Yeah. Because. Right? So can yeah. you, because I figured this out on my own. The so link's if I can changed do it, already. So if, if you go I to grantamerica.ca slash chats, it'll automatically take you to the new chats. Oh, okay. There's links on the website already. All that's, all that's. Okay. There. So, I mean, it's pretty Discord-based. It's not quite as smooth and as neat as Discord, but it's our own. And we can't get kicked out of there, and it won't get deleted. And, you know, we've kind of said for a couple of years that this is where we're heading, and now this is where we're we going to go. And we can do it. I mean, we started those chats out on Google fucking Hangouts. Yeah. And we changed from that to Discord, and we changed Discord servers once or twice for different reasons. And now we're finally going someplace that we can stay and call our own and... Not have to worry about what Discord's going to do, or and which is what it costs money too. That's the other thing. So yeah, all that stuff costs money exactly. So that's why we're kind of that's another reason why we're ramping this up because we are investing in heavily, heavily in, in the show and to try and be censorship free. I mean, if it, we have to as a community, as people, we have to start 
separating, separating from and, yeah. this, this censorious society. I we mean, we have to start doing it ourselves or we can do it ourselves. Just so like, what we've just like starting up businesses or restaurants or airlines or whatever that are going to not take the fucking jab, for example, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. We have to start doing it ourselves. There has to be a split. And that's the other thing is that like eventually the Facebook and the Twitter accounts are going to switch to just like straight posting mechanisms they'll be they're kind of hooked in so they'll automatically post the new episodes when you go when we go live someplace so they're kind of hooked in to automatically share those things but over the next month or two you're going to see interaction there go down down considerably as i just it's getting harder and harder to spend time on those platforms. I agree. Even me on even me them. with the Grammarica Instagram. Even I want to make it's, that it's, auto. And if you want to find us, you got to come into the socials. Yeah, it's so weird. I'm I'm just and I'm, now I figured out how to do the federation. So the so the okay. No, the no, no. I want to people get confused. Hang on. About that's what I want to okay. I want to clarify that. So that's our chats. That's our own little chats. There's a social network that we're also talking about, which is the the, the Macedon socials, yeah. which is a different thing. That's kind yeah. of more like social. People get confused. So that's think like of Mattermost as like the chats like Discord, and Mastodon is much more like an older Twitter sort of. It's very it's built sort of like an old Twitter client, but it's again self-hosted, and we've already in intermingled. So how it works there. Is it's very much like Twitter. So this is more it's of like a social a, network. It's like where a you build decentralized. A it's a decentralized social network that can connect with other ones. Yeah. So like what how it works is if once you join into the Grammaric social, grammaric.ca slash social, you make an account, then you can start finding other instances. So say the other the big one is noagendasocial.com. Because we've got a lot of crossover with them. Those I've kind of got into three or four so far. And then once you do that, so once I I start following a couple people from noagendasocial.com with my Gramerica profile. And then I start following a couple people from the podcast index with my Gramerica uh, profile. So now when I go back into my Gramerica Mastodon, I have a couple options there in my app. I can, or, or web or whatever I'm using, I can go to a local timeline. That's just the people I follow. <coughs> or I can go to a... <coughs> Still within, home, within within one of those within instances one, though within so say now I've gone back to the Grammarica instance okay so now in my app I've got a couple of options I've got a uh, local one which is just the people I follow doesn't matter if they're in Grammarica or no agenda or podcast it's just the people I've chose to follow or I can go to a home one which will just show you everything that's going on in that that's instance. going on in just Grammarica everything that posted in Grammarica now shows or you can go to the federated one which will now, if you've followed someone from No Agenda and someone from Podcast Index, now your federated timeline is going to have every single person in Gramerica, every single person in, basically every single person in each of those instances. And you can start growing that out to the point where, I mean, some of those guys I don't think in the No I, Agenda social are, are in like eight or ten different instances. I don't think I... I can do that. I have to the federated as a toggle. So you can't do that until you, until you follow someone from another instance. Oh, uh, okay. To be honest, I, I'm still figuring it out too. I mean, there's it's probably a bit more complicated. I'm having, I can't even change my profile in my agenda, my, my no agenda instance. You've always had trouble with that though. Uh, I know no it's not getting the email until you look at my phone and the thing appears in junk. It's not there. I can want me to look at your phone. Yeah, I want you to fix my problem. I mean, I got into the Mattermost okay, and I got into the Grammarica instance okay, but I can't change anything in there now. So 
It's a little more weird, I, but I'm using That's the, the Amarok. Thing, I'm using the perfect. Amarok app. It's not Twitter. There might be an easier app it's to use. It's not Discord. It yeah. doesn't have millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of fucking development, development yeah. and everything else in there. And it's not running on fucking millions of dollars of server backup. And the, the support network is ass. So all that stuff just, you know, needs to be bear with us. But, you know, this is kind of how we sort of practice what we preach, where we've been talking about this stuff as being a problem for a long time. And 2021 is a time when we're trying to actually take a stand and, and start changing some of it. And that includes we're both hoping to get onto that new phone by the end of the year with that graphene operating system that isn't tracking you and stuff like that. I mean, that's a personal choice. That's got nothing to do with the podcast, but it's another yeah, but maybe we can help people. Maybe shit. we can help people do that. Maybe we can run through it as a. Once we get on, maybe there, we, can we can document our out. experience and try and get people to do that. Because I can't get, I can't get off my phone. I have so no, many it's apps. Hard. That's why the OTG shit is impossible. I can't go to a flip phone. It'd be too hard. But this seems like a nice midway solution. So we'll try that out hopefully this year and let you guys know how that goes. So I think is that all the housekeeping. Oh man, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's, so I just Crime wanted America. to talk about the difference between the socials and the chats, yeah. and the outlawed, and the and the old feed and the new feed. And we're we got other projects on the go too. We're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks probably. We're lining up some other stuff as well, but we don't want to mention trying to wrap it up this happens, year. But yeah, we're trying to wrap it up. But all that stuff aside, oh, the audiobooks. I guess if you want to talk about that now, well, That's we got a few available. We got, but, but but the secret teachings isn't out yet. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. It's coming. Let's wait till the secret teachings come out and, yeah. then, we'll, and then we'll really pound the audio. Yeah. I'm going to build the page too. Okay. Adultbrain.ca. I got to build it on. I mean, we have the secret teachings of all ages coming out and secret the secret doctrine. doctrine and the secret both societies secret of societies. all ages are out. Both of them are out now. Right. So one's headed to retail and one's officially yeah. there. Right. So soon. And you can just search Grimerica and audible or anything and, and help us out by leaving a good review there or just downloading the book or whatever. That's another way to help out. We've put hundreds of hours into doing this Hundreds stuff. and hundreds of hours into that, the audiobooks, the websites, trying to make our own chats. And that, you know, shout out to guys like Ryan and I and and countless other people, George, that if we weren't for you guys, we'd be fucked. We wouldn't be able to do this kind of stuff. Uh, I did want to also say a big shout out to community. Ryan's computer has computer problems. And the new chat server is a lot more work than Discord because it's all self-managed and you cannot do it off a phone. So we put out a little cry for help uh, to get Ryan a new computer and a ton of people answered back. And that's Ryan awesome. will be out computer shopping this week. Nice. And uh, that's one of the amazing things of the value for value model. And we hope we don't, uh, we hope none of you value value for people take it uh, as an aside that we've decided to try a new thing with a new show. And you just always sort of treat this community and this show as it's as what it is and the other one's still in a, in a lot of ways value for value and in some ways it's not ads we're not doing ads or all that it's like you're here it's just content we want to keep doing more content but i mean if we're being perfectly honest doing more content the way we're doing it right now is just right now we need to find a way to get our time back and once we get our time back then all bets are off i mean yeah, the possibilities are endless once we aren't aren't yeah. hampered by trying yeah. to. But we're still exist. not doing corporate ads. We don't want to do ads. I mean, our only reading is these ads for our own stuff. That's that's our only real advertisement. No sponsors or ads or anything like that. So before we go to the video, I got this one thing. Another Alberta boy stepping up for us again because I know a bunch of Alberta's been restaurant a bunch of restaurants in Alberta, not Calgary, but Alberta. 
I've started opening up saying, fuck it. And now Trudeau has opened up this thing where they'll grab you at the airport and fucking force you to stay in a hotel that you pay for if you travel. Oh, you're just paranoid. So uh, one of our MPs, Jeremy Patzer, sent an open letter, open letter, uh, to the right honorable Justin Trudeau. Dear Prime Minister Trudeau, I am writing you on behalf of numerous constituents who have contacted me expressing concern with the recent news that your government is implementing mandatory hotel quarantines for incoming travelers until their test results are obtained. Respectfully, sir, I believe your government is overstepping its bounds and setting a dangerous precedent. No Canadian should ever be prevented from entering their own home. That type of control is not indicative of a free and democratic society. As such, I strongly advise against mandating hotel quarantines for returning Canadians. <coughs> Furthermore, there is no reason to believe that incoming travelers quarantining in a hotel would be more effective in curbing COVID-19 than quarantining at home. But perhaps you can provide me with evidence to suggest otherwise. Evidence strong enough to rationalize such draconian measures. I look forward to your timely response on this matter. And he sent it as an open letter and posted it all over all social media. Good stuff. Can you send me a link to that? I'll put it in the show notes. I will. Yeah, it's good to see some of our politics. Actually, one of the uh, restaurant opened in Bonneville and three mayors from neighboring areas met up there for lunch. Wow. So it's good to see some of the local politicians start to push back. You guys got to cancel your cable. I mean, honestly, if you still think COVID is a fucking problem, I don't know what to tell you anymore than to cancel your fucking cable or stop watching it. Or I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, the jig is up. The jig the is gig, up. The gig, gig. Isn't it the jig? Gig. I like the jig. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've heard both, I think. Enjoy. I always thought it was gig, though. Enjoy the chat with the wonderful Jeff. We got Jeff here from Spores Lab. We've got a kit here that uh, he sent us. We're gonna learn how to grow some some shrooms. What was the name you just used? What was the psilocybe or something? Yeah, so the species that's the easiest to grow that you know is most of the time when you buy a magic mushroom, it's going to be a psilocybe cubensis. Right. Uh, the easiest strain to grow indoors. Pretty much the only one that, that people actually grow. Uh, most of the other species, like Liberty Caps, uh, like the ones we were just talking about, the super potent ones, Psilocybe azurescens, they require a more complete ecosystem to grow. So they, they have to have a symbiotic relationship with trees and specifically decomposing wood. Wow. Uh, but 
the cubensis, they're fairly easy. You can grow those with, with rye grain and uh, a soil substrate that's, you know, it's a mix of uh, about five ingredients. Wow. Well, is this rye chat. grain it's in here? It's good to chat with you is again. That this is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's organic, uh, non-fungicide rye grain. That that actually is uh, important if you're going to be using the grain to grow mushrooms, that it's non-fungicide, um, obviously because you're trying to grow a fungi. Right. Is but the fungicide like a Monsanto Roundup kind of thing, or is that a natural thing? Um, well, usually, usually the fungicide would be applied to um, rye grain that comes from a large supplier. So, you know, if you're going to order it on Amazon or something like that, I'd maybe ask them, ask the seller, um, do you know if it has a fungicide? But if you get it locally, if you get it from a local greenery like we do, most of the time it's going to be organic and most of the time it's going to be non-fungicide. Oh, so is it more like a preservative? Uh, no, it's like something that they spray on the rye while it's growing to stop fungi from growing on it. Oh, that sounds that sounds like a good idea. What could go wrong? <laughs> sounds like a Monsanto idea. Yeah, the yeah, that sounds like a, yeah. It probably started out, you know, simple and innocent enough, and here we are. <laughs> well, it's good yeah. to talk to you again anyways. I mean, lots going on in the, in the, in the world of shrooms, and, you know, with, uh, we got this kit here. We're going to unbox it sort of on, on the podcast. And, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about, too. There's lots of research going on. I was looking up some of the, like, the map studies, and you were saying in November, uh Oregon legalized magic mushrooms in the therapeutic setting. I mean, Darren and I were driving through, was it Oregon or was it uh, Idaho when I was, or even Washington when I was like, you know, cause he, he wanted, he liked all epiphany? these weed, weed, uh, what, what would you call those I weed think stores? It was Oregon. What'd you call the weed stores? What'd you call dispensaries? those? Dispensaries. I'm like, there's going to be one for mushrooms soon. I mean, it's gotta happen. Like, you know, Definitely. there's such, there's good news all over the, all over the place. So. I wouldn't be surprised if there's already a few, um, you know, kind of clandestine ones in Denver and in Oregon. Right. Um, there's actually a few places that have legalized mushrooms already. Um, Chicago, Oakland. Really? Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So just the city of Chicago. What? Uh, the city of Oakland, California. Uh, the city of, I believe it's San Jose. There's two in California, two cities. Um, and then most recently, Oregon and Denver actually was the first one. I believe that was in 2018 that, that uh, Denver um, decriminalized mushrooms for for personal possession and use. Right, right. So I, it's crazy that the cities are actually taking it upon themselves. I mean, how does that happen? They just know they're just trying to get like it, they know they realize it's a waste of the resources to try and fight this thing. And exactly. Yeah. And it was, uh, so in the case of Denver and Chicago and, uh, Oakland, I know it went to a uh, city council and in all three cases there, it was a unanimous ruling that, that mushrooms should be decriminalized. And it, they actually went further and went to, um, uh, a few other psychedelic substances as well. So plant, plant-based psychedelic substances like, like uh, I don't think DMT, I, I think DMT is still on a no, no. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, even if it is mostly plant based or all plant based, it's pretty uh pretty intense. It's the deep end of the pool. I could see sure. if they don't want that just like down <laughs> just, at the yeah. fucking seven eleven. <laughs> you gotta be careful. Because now they have those pens, right? My buddy has one of those pens. I've seen those. It's yeah, I've like seen some websites selling those. And he hits it three times and he's in another fucking dimension. I mean, now all of a sudden you leave this thing lying around. It could be dangerous. Who the fuck knows what's going on? 
And there's a lot of like, and there's 50, 50 hits in each pen or something or a hundred, I think. He's still working on it. I'll let you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Not like a weed pen. You got go? I think it was 200 bucks. Okay. That's not bad value though. Oh yeah. Just yeah. the handiness of it. And you don't have to do your special, uh, special smoking or however you guys do that. Seems, uh, seems to have industrialized it. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Yeah, but 2020 has been a a pretty huge year for psychedelics in general. Um, Like all that that legalization that we were just talking about, uh, there's been five or six companies that have gone public on the stock market um, that are focused on psychedelic treatments and psychedelic therapies. Uh, Health Canada has given out a few licenses to to companies to uh, do research and development on psilocybin mushrooms. Um, we've actually been supplying one of those companies with genetics. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a massive year and I think 2021 is going to continue. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I was looking up some studies prior to the show and there was a, there was a threat that this millionaire couple was going to create a monopoly using magic mushrooms and all kinds of stories on the studies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, we could That's sell this lace software. You know what, to be honest, I think Compass is a little overvalued. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, I think they're worth like $1.4 or $5 billion, something like that right now. Um, you know, uh, on pretty much um, a hope in it, or on a research and development license. Right. So, so the potential to make money in a couple of years, but, you know, they're a few years away from it. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy valuation. But I do think there's some uh, some opportunity. Uh, in this in the psychedelic stock market yeah we'll have to send us that in an email <laughs> sure yeah. yeah i've spoken to quite a few of this the uh you know higher ups at, at most of these companies um just uh just through my my role at spores lab and uh you know being the supplier of of isolated and consistent genetics um a few of these companies have been interested in that um so yeah i've, I've got kind of a good uh, inside eye into that world doesn't that make it illegal? Actually, don't answer that. What uh, we won't call it. it Actually, because uh, spores do not contain any psilocybin or psilocin, and those are actually the two compounds that are illegal under the CDSA. Um, so you can ship spores anywhere in the world. Um, you can you know you can pretty much do anything you want with spores, um, except use them to grow mushrooms. I meant the inside of trading. Oh, like yeah. If, well, like me, if you tell me, me you do invest it. That I've talked to would be, but I think I can say that I've talked to some of them. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how I can make money off of this without breaking the law. <laughs> um, so well, how'd you get what, in? If you invested in any of them at IPO, you'd be up quite a bit. Huh. Yeah. That was the same with the cannabis ones, too, really. Those guys did all right in the beginning. Now they're not doing so good, but... No. Okay, but uh, you know what? I think there's going to be a, a quite a shroom boom in 21. Shroom boom. Shroom boom. I like that. I like it. So, how did you get into selling like spores and stuff like that? How does this come come along? I mean, have yeah, this so been your I've, like your I've life been calling? In mushrooms for uh, a very long time. Uh, I've been a user for a very long time and been growing them for a while. Um, I used to have a site that sold dried mushroom for quite a while. And, um, I just, as, as this whole industry is progressing, I wanted to position myself in, uh, in more on the legal side of things. 
And uh, I've done exactly that with, with Spores Lab. So Spores Lab is, a, is really the, the Canadian leader in providing uh, psilocybin mushroom genetics, growing mediums, and you know, all the auxiliary products that you need to grow mushrooms. Um, so staying you know, on the legal side of things because the, the actual genetics are legal. It's, uh, it's the fruiting mushroom, the mushroom fruiting body, actually, that can get you in trouble. Uh, so I don't, Spores Lab uh, doesn't actually ever sell mushroom fruiting bodies or even fruit them. Fruiting body being a full-grown mushroom or whatever, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so the mycelium, uh, basically yeah, you, I was gonna ask how that. the cycle goes is you start off with a spore that's kind of analogous to a plant seed. And then when that spore germinates, it turns into something called mycelium. And mycelium is just a, a network of fine filaments. And they're uh, called hyphae. They're each one cell thick. Um, and they kind of interlock with each other and grow through whatever medium you choose. You can, you can use a bunch of different mediums. Um, and, and that's called mycelium. That has very, very small trace amounts of psilocybin and psilocin. However, those amounts are so small that you can't even always get a positive test result. Like if you were, you know, for example, the RCMP and you wanted to test mycelium, um, you would have inconsistent test results because the percentages are so low. So mycelium really is in a gray area. And then the the dry the mushroom fruiting body um, is technically illegal. But I think that's that's shifting pretty quickly. So really, all the ingredients are fine. It's just once it becomes a, a shroom. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, you know, there's even companies selling grow kits, and I actually haven't even gone that far. Um, I'm looking into it, and, and you know, I, I think probably within the next year, uh, once I can figure out a good container, um, Spores Lab will be offering grow kits. Uh, but, yeah, at, at the moment, we're, we're offering mycelial cultures and spores and all of the auxiliary products, like the grain, uh, like the fruiting substrate, like the, the containers to grow in, uh, yeah. like the jar that you guys got there and the grow bags. Um, yeah. What's the difference between that and a kit? Well, you know, I guess you could call that a kit, really. Um, but the kit, when I, when I say kit, I mean, I mean all together, like yeah, kit. turnkey kind of all together and little thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I've sent you guys like a bag of substrate and a bag of grain, which on their own are completely fine. Um, selling that already mixed together would be a little bit gray. Right. And then, so right. you just get grayer and grayer and grayer the more stuff you, you add Put together. Into. Yeah. Now, because I got a buddy that grows all sorts of like lion's mane mushrooms and blue oyster mushrooms, and he's probably watching right now because I know he's super interested in getting into this next. But yeah. um, he's had a lot of luck with that, and he's got this bag hanging there, and they're growing out of that. But when, yeah. what's the difference between, wouldn't he need all this exact stuff to do that at a high level, or is there a difference between the psilocybin mushrooms specifically and, and say, blue oyster mushrooms? Yeah, so typically with most of the gourmet mushrooms, you would fruit it right out of what's called the mushroom spawn. Um, and you, you guys actually have a bag of mushroom spawn in there. It's the bag of white stuff. Yeah, the polyphone. This one? Uh, that's, a, that's a mycelial culture growing on agar. It's a larger bag full of grain. Polyphone? Uh, no, it's, it's going to be the biggest bag in there. We're unboxing so, this as we, as we chat here. Oh, this one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, that's called mushroom spawn, and that's mycelium growing on rye grain. Um, now, if you were growing a uh, blue oyster or a uh, lion's mane or you know some more of the gourmet mushrooms, 
you can fruit it right out of that spawn block. But with the psilocybes, um, growers have figured out a way to get more yield. And that's by mixing it with what's called a bulk substrate. So that's the soil stuff that is still in the box there. And that provides a little bit of extra nutrient. It provides uh, a bunch of water retention because mushrooms are 90% water. So that allows you to add a bunch of water into your medium, and then you'll get more flushes. You'll get more mushrooms. What, what's with the name Syllabi? Syl, how do you call it? Psilocybe? Is that Psilocybe. just a, a Psilocybe? Is that just like, is that just There's a, a shorter name? That's pronounced. Uh, some people say Psilocybe. Some people say Psilocybe. What's um, the difference between that yeah. and Psilocybin? I haven't heard psilocybe. No, psilocybin, like the full name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the uh, the technical term, um, like if you were speaking to a mycologist, uh, someone that, that has a degree in the study of fungi, uh, they would probably call it psilocybe. But if you're speaking to the layperson, they would probably call it a psilocybin mushroom. Okay, okay. Okay, so it's just the technical, more of a technical term for it. Yeah. So what's the difference here between... Um... So there's basically a whole extra stage in between a gourmet mushroom and a psilocybe mushroom. Yes. Yeah. And that allows you to get some more yield. And you can, you can do that with the gourmets too. And actually a lot of commercial um, gourmet cultivators like uh, button mushrooms in specific, um, agaricus bisporus, uh, they do add a bulk substrate um, made up of compost usually. And uh, that, yeah, that's, that's how commercial mushroom growers usually get larger yields. But a lot of the a lot of the kits that the gourmet mushroom kits that you see being sold are just a, a, a bag full of spawn, and you cut that open and you start misting it, so you introduce humidity and airflow, and that's uh, what triggers a mushroom to pin. Wow! So learning to grow these magic psilocybin mushrooms would help you with your regular mushroom growing. Definitely, and uh. we're actually expanding into uh, offering. Blue Oyster and Cordycep and uh, Lion's Mane pretty quick here wow. in the new year. My buddy's mushrooms are great. I'm telling you, I'm actually probably going to his house sometime in the next couple of days to get more because he brought me in a sample of them and uh, they're delicious. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, all species of mushrooms. What's the difference between the, there's this one that's on a, an agar plate, agar, agar plate, whatever the fuck that says. Uh, and this, this other one that's in the needle. The so I've, I've sent you guys kind of like our, most of our product line there. Um, so the spore syringe is kind of the easiest way to go about it. So that's usually what we recommend for beginners. Now the jar that I've sent you guys has, uh, two little ports in the lid of it. There's a green thing on the top and yep. a little rubber port. Yeah. Yeah. So usually what we would recommend for beginners is using a spore syringe and just injecting the spore syringe into the port on that jar. Okay. Into the rubber port. And that's going to give you the best uh, chance at success. That's kind of the most error-proof way to do it. Right there. Yeah, so that's the, the jar full of rye grain. Yeah, yeah. And then if you tilt it a little bit, you'll be able to see the ports. But Yeah, you can see the ports in there, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, then, exactly. and then what so else goes in there then? The a bunch of water a filter is yeah. a 0.2 micron filter. Uh, and then the, the uh, gray rubber one is where you would inject the syringe. Yeah. 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 And it comes with a, it comes with a sterile needle. So that tip on it right there is actually, it's uh, it's called a lure lock cap. 
and it's just a, a stopper. So you undo that stopper, and then you put the needle on the syringe, and then you would inject the syringe. Yeah. So then I'll stick it in through the green hole. The gray hole. Uh, the gray green hole. one's the filter. Yeah, so you stick it through the, the uh, rubber one, the gray rubber one. Just stick it in right to the... As just shoot as it into the arm. Like, shoot, shoot it into it the vein. Shoot it in. Yeah, give it a good jab. And uh, you can you can split that spore syringe between a couple jars if you want, like if you had a few jars. But the more you put into each jar, the faster it'll grow. Okay. So, is this the same as this? <laughs> yes. So that one, the, the bag on the right, is the finished version of the grain jar. That's what the grain jar will look in about three or four weeks after you inject it with the spore syringe. Oh, so this is already injected. Yes. So that's already colonized. So you guys are ready to go. If you wanted to mix that with the soil, you can do that whenever you want. And just add water and this will turn into mushroom. You're uh, no, the, both of them are hydrated already. So I sent you the, the substrate already hydrated. Typically we don't do that, but I wanted to make it easy for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the substrate. So, so that's a mix. This. That's a mix of uh, vermiculite, coconut, coir, uh, peat moss, worm castings, insect frass, and calcium carbonate. Wow, nice! But it's, it's actually a fairly simple mix. Yeah, so you, you basically just dump both of those into that uh, tray that I've sent you. That uh, that that clear plastic tray. Mix it up super well, and you'll see there's one that has holes drilled in it. Yep. Yes. One's the the dome for the top. So you'll mix it up in the one that doesn't have any holes. Yeah. And then you'll, you'll actually put the flat lid on it for about a week and you'll leave it in the dark. You mix everything up, try and make the surface as flat as possible. Yeah. Put the lid on it, leave it in the dark for about a week, seven to 10 days until it starts to turn all white. And that means it's fully colonized. And then at that point you would switch the flat lid for the dome lid and I've also set you, sent you guys uh, a bag of what looks like cotton, like uh, like cloud fluffy kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. So you can uh, stuff those two holes with that polyfill, and that allows some airflow to enter the tray. And then at that point, when you switch the flat lid for the dome lid, you also want to put it on a 12-12 light cycle. And you also want to start misting the inside of it daily. So you can just get like a regular old uh, Spray mist bottle, or right? bottle. Yeah. yeah, and just give the inside uh, a little mist every day. And that combination of an increase in humidity, an increase in airflow, and a change in the light cycle will cause mushrooms to pin. What is the, so how, how important is the 12-12 light cycle, like worth getting a timer on? Or can you just say 6 o'clock and no. then it's like, oh, fuck, it's it, 6.30 or it's 7? Yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be uh, exact, not, not like marijuana. Um, yeah, and it also it's, uh, doesn't it's, have to it's be a combination a... of those three factors that'll cause it to pin. So, you know, if you, if it's in the dark for the, the colonization period, and even if you give it, you know, eight hours of light or nine hours of light, it's still going to start pinning. So literally like this can be done in the closet. A lot of people do it in the closet. Yeah. yeah. And so the, what about the, then the type of light doesn't matter. Just, you know, any sort of light, it's just the, that there's light is all that matters. Ideally, you want around seven thousand Kelvin, but you any light will work. What's is what's an example example of a seven thousand Kelvin bulb? Is a, is a light blue light. Okay. 
Okay, interesting. But any light will work. So as you know, say six o'clock or say if you say seven and seven or whatever, you know, try and do it yeah, in the morning. And six and six would probably be the best, easiest for well, depending on depending on, on your schedule. schedule yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we say. And then there's Lysol in here, which I mean, I mean, I can't believe there's Lysol in here. I've got a buddy who's been trying to get Lysol for like eight months. <laughs> and it's actual yeah, it's Lysol. I mean, I could just like sell this can probably for a fortune. <laughs> so usually what we do is, is use isopropyl alcohol, uh, but we still have a few Lysols kicking around. I've been saving them. So those ISO in the mail. So that's pre-mixed already. What strains in there then? Uh, that'll have a label on it. I believe that's a Malabar though. And that's one of our strongest strains. Um, out of the Malabar, we consistently get a really good pin set, a really even pin of mushrooms across the whole tray. Um, we've had our best yield ever with Malabar. We, we got, um, a half pound off of one flush on a Malabar tray. And typically we get four or five flushes. So, so a half pound dry. This here, this, this should have a label on it. Uh, yes, I think it'll be a, in Sharpie when you open it okay. up and you extend the bag, it'll just be Sharpied on it, um, near the top of the bag it should say now. Okay, so this and this is good to go put in there, start misting after the seven. Days. Put, so you gotta, you gotta put it in there and then leave it in the dark for seven to 10 days and no misting for that period. Okay. You just gotta leave it and change. It'll go white on it. It'll go white on its own. You said right after yes. seven days. Yeah. 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 And once you see the, the top to go white. That. Then you can switch the lid. And when you say pin, pin with mushrooms pinning, what does that mean when it just starts popping up or? Yeah. yeah. So that's just like when the, the mushroom first starts to form. Okay. It's a pin or the technical term is uh, primordia. Right. But that's when you know it's coming. Slang, it's pin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So, and then the agar cultures. Um, so spore syringe is awesome for a beginner because it's super easy to just inject that syringe into the inoculation port. Um, the, the agar culture, which is that little white dish, um, agar is just a gelatinous, you know, nutritious medium that uh, it's actually typically used for research, for, for culturing bacteria and fungi uh, in research laboratories. Um, but it's, it's really easy for anything to grow on. And our agar has a few additives in there. So that dark stuff you see is actually not contamination. Um, it's actually insect frass which provides uh, some, some extra nutrients for the psilocybe because they're a dung-loving species. They, they like growing in poop. <laughs> and uh, it, insect frass is insect poop. So when we come back oh. to this one here, say, and we're going to take this, yep. yep, we're going to take, take that syringe, put it in the gray hole in the jar. And inject it all the way. Yeah, yeah just to, yeah. I would say just inject all of it because you only have one jar, yeah. and then that'll just result in a slightly faster colonization time. Yeah. But if you had a few jars and you wanted to make the syringe last as long as possible, you could go one syringe into two jars. Okay. Okay. So then, what do we do with this jar after? Yeah. What do you do with the jar afterwards? Then. Oh, you can reuse it. No, but like, does it just go? Does it have to go in the closet in the dark, or like, how does? How that long happen? does it take for that culture? culture to take After effect inject it with the syringe you're going to want to shake it for the first probably three or four days just to make straight. sure that spore solution is is well dispersed just straight just shake it take it shake it like like once a day oh okay <laughs> it would shake just so that solution gets spread out everywhere so there's more spores in contact with the, the growing medium the grain um and then 
that's probably going to take about three or four weeks to colonize. It does take longer from mm-hmm. a spore um, rather than from the agar culture because the agar culture is already uh, a live growing culture, whereas the spore has to germinate and then start to grow into mycelium. And then it's at you know the same point where the agar plate is at. Um, but the, the caveat with the agar is that it's harder to work with. Okay, so it, yeah. it was faster and you can usually get better results from agar because it's an isolated genetic. So all of our agar plates are taken, they're, they're tissue samples from really nice mushrooms. So you're, um, you've got a much nicer chance of getting nice mushrooms if you take a tissue sample from a nice mushroom, whereas a spore print, there's a lot more variability. There's, there's millions of genetic codes inside a spore print. So, you know, you're, you're kind of, um, it's the luck of the draw a little bit, which ones. So, okay. So So we've got got the plate, the jar. I want to go back to the syringe though for a minute. So the syringe goes in, shake three days, and then now it's turned into the stuff in the bag and it's just the same as that process. So it'll take three to four weeks to turn in, to turn white, but you just shake it for the first three days until you start to see little dots of white forming. Okay. And then you're going to leave it in the dark for three to four weeks. Dark uh, temperature between 75 to 77. Completely dark. Put it in your closet under a towel or something and forget about it for a month. It, it doesn't have to be completely dark. Um, you, you, know, you can have a little bit of light here and there, but should be mostly dark. You know, The darker, the better. The less light you can expose it to, the faster it'll call us. And then after four weeks, it'll look like the bag. Yeah, and now we and then now that, we revert to the same steps as with the bag. Yes, at that point you'd mix it with more substrate. Yeah, in your fruiting container. Back to and the then dome. leave it in the dark ten days. Yep, and then switch it to fruiting conditions. Okay, so it's like if I had a little card, it'd be like now at that point the arrow would go back to there. Yeah. So then, what's now? I want to get to so that that makes sense, and you can like email me maybe and just tell me what that that substrate is because i'm sure that's something i can probably get here some easy for, enough and for then, sure or send you some more of it yeah. but yeah i mean you can get all of those things uh locally for sure especially the dirt i'm thinking because it's you know i don't want you to spend money to ship dirt if it's if there's nothing special about it it seems uh, so okay but the plate thing now so th- how do you get does that just go into the jar somehow too yes so the thing with the agar is that um it, there's more chance for contamination, right? So if you inject your spore syringe into that self-healing inoculation port, there's a pretty low chance that any contaminant gets in there because as soon as you pull the needle out, the port closes. Right? It's a self-healing. Yeah, that plate makes me whereas, nervous. <laughs> whereas with, with the agar, you actually have to take the lid off the jar and slice up the agar and put it in. So it's recommended that you do that in what's called a still air box or in front of a flow hood. And is that why you gave us pretty... a mask and gloves? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wanted to, to note that uh, I'm not in favor of the mandated mask, but when you do mycology, you should wear a mask. That's, you know, this is, I got a guy at work that was calling me an anti-masker today, and I said, I'm not an anti-masker. I said, I believe that masks have a time and a place. I just think that <laughs> all the time is not the time and place. Shouldn't be all the time in every place is not the time or the place when you're making (laughs) mushrooms. That's probably a good time to wear a mask. Definitely, we don't want grams globulates on it. Um, but anyway, so so when you're working with agar, it's uh recommended that you have a still air box or a flow hood. 
Um, the Flowwood's a little more geared towards a large scale cultivator. They're kind of expensive to purchase. Um, you know, the probably cost about twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. Um, the Still Airbox, on the other hand, you can make for twenty to fifty dollars um, out of any Rubbermaid tote. You can get a tote, cut two holes in it, and then tape gloves to the holes. Yeah, exactly. And we've got a tutorial on on how to make one uh, on Spores Lab on on our website. Uh, it's about a five minute tutorial, so you know it, it shouldn't take you more than half an hour to do, and you know, twenty to fifty dollars in supplies. And basically, what that does is it just stops all the airflow. So what you can do is you can put your hands in the gloves of the box, and then you'll have light the Lysol in your box. Give everything a quick spray, and then do your work with the agar. And you can be confident that no new air is entering that box. If you've sprayed the Lysol and disinfected everything, there's going to be no contaminants in there. No contaminants get into your culture. And then what happens after so you normally slice it up? you do that with just ISO and a little spritzer? Yes. Yeah, that's what we do is uh, a Mr. Bottle full of ISO. But well, actually, we do it in front of a flow hood. Um, we've actually got like four or five flow hoods now. A guy might um, have ISO around for other reasons. We use a lot of, we go through a lot of ISO. Reminds me of my oil making days. <laughs> that's that's funny i have experience with that too burning the uh the rice cooker yeah we did it you see we used to use a hot plate we used to go in the garage and use a hot plate so we'd have like the you know like the skillet for making pancakes and we put the pot on that so there was no yeah yeah we used to do it. we did it in the house at first but it seemed risky <laughs> so what do you do after you slice it all up Yes, yeah, so you'll basically want to slice it up as fine as possible. So there's as many different chunks that get spread throughout the jar. So there's more of those chunks touching grain in different places. And typically for with when you use agar, you'll get a faster colonization and you'll get more consistency in the mushrooms. Because like I was saying, that agar is taken, the it's a tissue sample. It starts its life um, as a tissue sample from a nice mushroom that gets dropped onto that piece of agar. And then it propagates it grows out until it's colonized the whole plate and you're going to get mushrooms that are similar to the initial tissue sample when you work with agar whereas if you have a spore um, the mushrooms that result from a spore print are going to be more varied you'll get some big ones you'll get some small ones and you'll get some skinny spindly ones and some really nice ones how do you do, so is that kind of like cloning then it's exactly like like uh, cannabis tissue culture, yeah. At what part did you do? So do you like, is that something you're you're harvesting at some point of the process? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's just taken from um, exceptionally nice mushrooms. So you have to fruit the mushrooms in order to get the tissue samples. But what you can do is you can get a tissue sample from a nice mushroom and then propagate that on agar. And then you can take chunks of that agar and propagate those onto other plates. So you only need the mushroom at the start. Then you have that genetic code and you can propagate that from plate to plate. Oh, so you're actually just taking like a chunk of that mushroom and putting it on that plate and somehow it... Yeah, yeah, and it just grows. So if you take a chunk of that mushroom and put it on the gelatinous, the high nutrient agar medium and give it the right conditions for mycelium to grow, not mushrooms to pin, which would be dark and temperature 77 to 75 and uh, low airflow um, relatively low humidity, then it will grow as mycelium. Sometimes you do get mushrooms pinning right in the agar. And if that happens to you, that's a really good idea to clone from those ones because those are super strong genetics. 
is what we've found. So if, so if like, just say like, I notice, <laughs> holy fuck, there's a little mushroom growing on this plate. I would want to take that little mushroom and put it on another plate. Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's a really, that's a strong genetic that, you know, you know, that mushroom is going to be a good pinner. So once I grow this, I could literally just take like one of those mushrooms and chop it up into pieces and grow like 10 of these plates. Yeah. This and we also crazy. sell pre-poured agar plates that are just blank agar plates. Ready for some specimen. Exactly. We should add a little gram to one of them, see what comes back. That's a good idea. That you guys have all this ready to go for people. Okay, so what's the what's the time frame like? Because I want obviously I'm going to want to get this thing in some sort of a groove. You don't want ten different things going on once. Like so, I say like tonight I mix this stuff up. So if you mix that tonight, in about seven to ten days, the uh, the tr the container there will be colonized, and then you'll switch the flat lid for the dome, and then you'll start misting it. You'll mist for about one week before mushrooms start to pin. So, we're at so that's two about weeks. two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, and then once they start to pin, they mature very fast in like two to five days. So they'll go from a, a, a tiny little pin to a fully mature bloomed mushroom in, in a few days. What? So like yeah. three weeks? Yeah. Pretty cool so, to watch. so I guess what I'm getting at is I almost want to be injecting this jar at the same time as I'm doing this to start with. Now the jar will take... Quite a bit longer. The process for, for ideally, the jar, I would have wanted injected the jar already. If I yeah, was like, if I yeah. was in a in like a in a swing sort of, you know, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, we actually uh, we offer consultation services um, as well to people that that want to learn how to grow. Um, usually, kind of geared towards larger scale, uh, but we've set up an operating schedule that it tell, tells you exactly what day to inoculate on. I mean, right down to, to what day to start soaking your grain on, because you have to do a 24 hour soak on the grain. <clears throat> so it's like, you know, soak your grain this day. And then the next day uh, you're, you've got your grain soaked and you sterilize it. And then the next day it's out of the sterilizer and cool and you inoculate it. Um, and, and it's, it's offset. So you can be doing multiple stuff at once like multiple different yeah, things. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm thinking is you don't want to finish this and you're like, now you're just injecting your jar. And cause I mean, now yeah. you're probably having fun, right? You just harvested some mushrooms. You're like, this is great. And now you're waiting, you know, four or five weeks to so, get back in the So swing. if I was you, I would inject the jar right away. Uh, you know, just at the same time that you put those together. Okay. And by the time this is finished fruiting, usually you'll get, I'm going to say in your environment there, you'll, you should probably be happy with three flushes. Um, if you have a, a, a okay, HEPA wait, filter, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not sure I understand the flush thing. Can you can you explain the flush thing to me? What you mean by three flushes? Yeah, sure, for sure. So, um, so when you start misting that tray and providing airflow and light, it triggers mushrooms to start pinning. <clears throat> and they'll start pinning and mature to fully grown mushrooms in a few days. Once you harvest all of those mushrooms, you can give the surface of the mycelium another mist. And it'll trigger another flush of mushrooms to start pinning. Oh. Um, thing though is actually I forgot to mention this, and it's it's a little bit important. Uh, once you see pins start forming, you should stop misting the surface of the mycelium, and instead, if you need to raise the humidity, you should mist the top of the dome right. or the sides of the dome. How would you know you had to raise the humidity? Pardon me. How would you know you needed to raise the humidity? Yeah, just if it looks dry. If it's just if like you don't, you want the soil to sort of always look a little damp. 
inside of the, the uh, dome there. And on the other hand, if there's excessive condensation, if it's dripping, you can miss a day of misting. Okay. So well, once yeah. it pins, you stop the misting. Yeah. Right. Thing. yeah. And, and, you know, once it pins, if it starts pinning and it's looking dry and you don't see any condensation, you can miss the sides of the dome. We just uh, stay away from actually misting the, the mushroom pins. pins. Okay. Just because it can, it can create mold on them if water pools on them. Um, so, so then, yeah, but once, once you harvest that whole flush, you can give the surface of the mycelium a good, uh, another good mist because there's no more pins left or no more mushrooms left. And then you'll start another flush. If you're, if you're in a really clean environment, um, we've gotten up to five flushes before. Wow. For you guys, but I mean, we, we, we have like a, a laboratory facility that, you know, it's got HEPA filters scrubbing the air consistently right there. Those things, we've got five HEPAs running 24 seven. That's so what they should guys, have put in all the old folks homes. Ah. <laughs> Um, yeah, for you guys, I'd probably be happy with three flushes before you start to see some form of contamination. And that's usually what, um, what ends the life of the tray. It's actually, um, not, uh, not running out of nutrients that, that, you know, makes you have to throw the tray away. It's usually some form of contamination getting in there. So is this a one-time use thing or can I clean it up good and use it again? No, you can definitely clean it up good. And I've also sent you a garbage bag. So yes. what I would recommend doing, and it's in our tutorials as well, um, is putting the, yeah, it's just stretch the garbage bag out and slide the tray into the garbage bag and then tamp down the corners of the bag. And then when you throw the tray away, you can just remove the whole garbage bag and then all the, all the, uh, substrate and, you know, whatever contaminants and everything in there just stays in the garbage bag. Wow. So you'll get like out of that one little thing, you'll get a couple batches of uh, two or three ounces of mushrooms? I would say that you can expect somewhere between four to eight ounces of mushrooms out of that tray. Per flush or total? Total. total. Huh. Dry. Wow, that's not bad. What's the dry process like? So they grow up. So, okay, now we're five days later. The mushrooms have matured. I mean, th that's got to be an exciting five days. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things is setting up time lapses of that. And we've taken some pretty sweet time lapses. I think I saw some recently that you had on yeah. Instagram. Maybe I it's was yeah, super cool. And like you can see, it, it almost looks like the surface of the mycelial mat is breathing as the mushrooms grow. You see the surface of the mat move down like that, and you can you can see it clearly on the time lapse. It's it's super cool. Okay, and then so then five days later, they're how do you know they're how mature? Do you, I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the ideal time to harvest uh, is just when the veil that separates the cap and stem of the mushroom starts to break. Um, that's the best time because that's right before the spores drop, and when the spores drop, uh, the the caps of the mushrooms usually get dark. And if you're you know if you if you care about the appearance of the mushrooms, um, you should try and pick before they sporulate. Uh, but on the other hand, if you wanted to take spore prints, then you would pick, you would wait just a little bit longer until the veil fully breaks and then cut the cap off and leave the cap on a piece of tinfoil and come back so 12 hours later and a spore print will have been deposited. So the veil, that's just kind of like where the cap of the mushroom is. There's like a film connecting that down to the stem. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as yeah. one of those starts to tear or something, pull the whole to tear, Yeah, yeah, you should harvest and you can harvest by just cutting it at the base with scissors or just twisting it 
And now you're harvesting the whole tray when you harvest one, harvest everything? Well, actually, you should harvest as they go. Okay. So they'll mature at different rates. Um, so just as you see ones with the veil start to break, you can you can grab those ones. And then once you've grabbed all of those mushrooms in that flush, then give it another mist. Wait a couple of days, like mist for a couple of days until you start to see more pins. And then you're on flush too. And typically the mushrooms get bigger every flush. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So then, um, and while you're doing this, you're, you're kind of always being cognizant of trying not to get any, as little shit in there as possible, because that's going to cut down your growth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, whenever you're doing, whenever you're harvesting, I would say have some PPE on, have your mask and gloves on, um, spray a little bit of Lysol on your arms and uh, anything that kind of might come into contact with the, uh, with the box, with the container. Okay. So stay six feet away. You know, <laughs> that's great. So, I mean, we're good to go for a while here with what you sent us. What, uh, what, how do you dry them in a dehydrator or do you oh, hang so, them or yeah. uh, you can do a food dehydrator. Um, you can even just do like a high airflow room. Um, what we do is, uh, we just, we, we built a drying room and we have a few dehumidifiers running in there and it takes about two days to dry. It's crazy though. They lose about 90% of their weight. I, I make about, uh, I make shit tons of jerky. So I have like three, oh, three dehydrators yeah. kicking around here. Perfect. The yeah, size so matter? A few hours, one of those. The size matter? I mean, you said some of them get bigger, but does that really matter as far as potency? Um, there's actually some research to suggest that smaller mushrooms are more potent. Um, I actually, I believe it was Paul Stamets and Jochen Gartz uh, in the mid-90s that did some testing on smaller mushrooms compared to larger mushrooms. And they concluded that um, psilocybin or the active compounds stop being produced uh, relatively early in the mushroom's growth. So, so the, the smaller mushrooms will be a little bit more concentrated and, you know, it'll feel like they're more potent because it's a, a smaller mushroom. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But it might be the same as a big one. It's just half the size or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and so you need, you should eat a whole mushroom when you eat a mushroom instead of like bits of a bunch of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. There's also some research just to, uh, to suggest that the cap is slightly more potent as well. Uh, that the I'm, cap contains. Remember Michael some, tried telling us that the stem was more potent. They got bamboozled <laughs> and they eaten all the stems and then nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh... And there's actually some other really interesting, uh, you know, like this stuff is just starting to be studied, right? Like there's a few, research and development licenses that have been, that have been given out over the past year. Um, people are, are, are just starting to look at the different strains and, uh, and, and figuring out that different mushroom strains have both different concentrations and different ratios of psychoactive compounds. And there's up to, I believe it's 32 or 34 or something like that, uh, different psychotropic alkaloids that have been found in the mushrooms. So it really is like cannabis a few years ago, you know, when, when everyone thought it was just THC. And, and that THC was kind of the, the biggest one. And now everybody's all onto CBD, right? Like we found all these other compounds um, in cannabis that were giving an entourage effect. And then that's been studied, studied and proven. And I think the same thing is going to happen for psilocybin mushrooms. Terps are great too. And there's that all other thing. And you got to watch, I think it starts with an M. It's like mycelin or something like that. There's this other weird thing you got to watch in the pot. And if that's up there too, then it really like... 
kickstarts it. I forget. Some one of those weed people was t- teaching me about it in the dispensary one day. Those people are great. They just know fucking everything about weed. They're like you, but with weed. Um, yeah, I mean, and you know, what? I'm I'm learning more every day. Like uh, this, this industry really is emerging right now. We're we're at the forefront of it. Um, there's just because of the the legality around these mushrooms, there hasn't been much research on them in the last sixty years. I like that it's fast, man, because I can't get into growing dope, man. It's just too, you know, I want to, I like to, and you know, everyone who listens to the show knows I smoke a lot of weed and I got to outsource it all. I mean, I ended up with a couple of plants this year, but I mean, to be you honest. You did good for a while there, didn't you? You got into I it? I did when I was, yeah, I did, but it's it's just, it's too fucking long. It's just you mean like, too long of a cycle, like oh, three months or yeah, four months or dude, whatever. It's like four I, I wouldn't months. say that this is that much shorter. If you're going to start from a spore syringe, like you guys have, have quite a bit of a head start with the, the mushroom spawn and the substrate. But if you were going to start with a spore syringe in a jar, it would probably take you two to three months before you get a mushroom. Yeah, I think with the weed, it was more like almost six months. You're you're injecting it and then you're leaving it for two weeks and then you're doing one more job and then you're leaving it for a week. Whereas with the with cannabis, you're watering it every day. You're watching it. Looking for bugs, looking for this, looking for that. And then it's like six months later and the weed didn't turn out that great. And it's just like, motherfucker, well, it's all right. But I mean, it would probably get you. You probably maybe smoke some of that. It won't count. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I I tried to do uh, my four plants this summer. I ended up neglecting them a little bit because I was so busy. But it was uh, it was about late September, and they hadn't kicked yet. So you know, I I just called it. I just chopped them down. <laughs> I ended up moving mine inside and like building a little thing so I could still use just the daylight. And I think honestly, that's, I don't think they're really made to be down to that shitty amount of sunlight. It's just not enough to grow good bud without some lights or something. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I know people that have grown nice outdoor, but yeah. Somebody's saying, somebody's saying here in the, in the the chats there, hundred percent maple stirrup is, uh, I hear you can vape shrooms. Is he just joking? He must be joking. I have never heard about that. Never heard of anyone vaping mushrooms. I, I do know a little bit about the the uh, pharmacodynamic process behind psilocybin metabolism. Um, when you ingest psilocybin, your liver breaks it down into what's called psilocin. And that's actually the compound that makes you feel the effects. Um, psilocin is very similar to serotonin in chemical structure. So it binds with the uh, uh, HT2A serotonin receptor and creates an excess of serotonin in the synaptic cleft between neurons. And that's what makes you feel the psychedelic effects. Wow. I don't know if that would still happen if you smoked it. Um, yeah, the, the jury's out on that one. Well, Plus, everything doesn't have to be smoked. I mean, just stop smoking shit and just eat it. Looks like you could take a break <laughs> on the eating shit, bud. You know, there's <laughs> tons of people making like really nice chocolate bars and teas and and you know, capsules and everything. So I think it's a rite of passage. The mushrooms, there's lots of options. You just eat that shit, man. Man up and eat the mushrooms. I'm of the same opinion. Yeah. I'm of the same. When I do it, I just munch the mushrooms. Just fucking hammer down. That's why I'm always like, if we're eating like a couple grams each or something, I'm always like through it. And someone else is still trying to make it. Especially my buddy Joey's always, Joey's always going to like mix it with this and that. I, that. I do like tea sometimes. I find the tea, um, the onset of the effects is a little bit quicker. Um, and I, you know, 
I, I will say that I like the tea, but most often I will just eat the dried mushrooms. I, I honestly kind of like the taste. I've almost now associated that taste with the mushroom experience. And so, you know, I, I look forward to it a little bit. Blech. Yeah. Not me. I <laughs> even that like. Being said, you know, if you, if you um, try some fresh mushrooms that you've grown that you've just dried, they will taste a lot better than mushrooms that you buy on the street. That have been kicking around for who knows yeah. how long. Yeah. Or, so that brings me to my next question is we got uh, uh, Maple Stirrup is asking if you can eat these things fresh. He's stirring shit up again. Yes. Yes, you can eat them fresh. Uh, when you eat them fresh, you should eat about 10 times as much to get the same effect. What? Yeah. But it would still be just like, so would it still be like a mushroom's a mushroom? It just weighs 10 times as much? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, when you're doing it fresh, and I've, uh, I've done it fresh. Um, it actually, it tastes way better fresh. Um, and yeah, you just have to eat about 10 times as much to get the same effects by weight. Yeah. Not by pieces, not by pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat 10 times as many pieces. So you might be on a fucking adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Clarify there by weight 10 times as much. So I'm going to pile into 10 mushrooms. Because like you said, when they dry, they took 20 grams of mushrooms. I'm a (laughs) god. Yeah. And then you could like make them into a nice, uh, fry them up into a nice burger or some sauce or something like that. A cack. No one will even know. Oh my God. Okay. So I want to have a couple of hundred grams in there though, <laughs> if they're wet. Are they legal when they're wet or no? They're still they actually pretty good when they're wet. Like they they taste. Well, I was um, thinking because when they're freshly dried, they do taste pretty bad when they've been dried for a while. And you know, you like buy them off the street. Um, I've had some ones that don't taste that great, uh, but when they're fresh, they actually taste, you know, like a mushroom, like a, a mushroom, like an earthy kind of fleshy. Yeah. It's not bad at all. I figured so, because when I had, um, I had, uh, dried mushrooms that weren't magic mushrooms. Yeah. And I just right away that brought back flashbacks, eat mushrooms. Cause there's just that, I don't, I don't, I don't think it matters what kind of mushroom you dry. It's going to have that. If you've eaten yeah. mushrooms enough times, it's going to make you think of eating mushrooms. Cause there's this undeniable sort of tinge to it that I think all <laughs> mushrooms probably share. You get that little feeling in your stomach. If, just if you think about it, like if you were to try and dehydrate, you know, uh, another fruit, like, like a tomato or something, or, a, a I don't know, like a onion, and dehydrate the crap out of it and and store it for two months and then try and eat it, it probably wouldn't taste very good either. That's true. That's true. Well, this I think this is going to be a popular YouTube video. I hope so. Not that we really pay attention to YouTube, but at least we're on video. No, yeah, we'll 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 take we'll take a ton of pictures of the process and all that, and it'll be great. This is going to be fun. So, so uh, what what about some of your experiences on mushrooms? That uh, you want to talk about some of those? Yeah, well, to be honest, I, I haven't done it too much lately because I've been so busy, um, you know, with Spores Lab and then with my dried product site before. Uh, but my last really good experience, I actually did tea. Uh, I did about 3.5 grams, and it was Golden Emperor, uh, which is a strain that we've isolated. I love that from- shit. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of my I favorites. I really and like I, those, yeah. I had some, uh, some really awesome, like, geometric turning visuals and i can remember looking in the mirror and 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 almost tripping myself out like i thought that the person in the mirror was moving instead of me 
that's that's kind of what's stuck in my memory from that trip. Man, I ate two and a half grams of those golden emperors and I couldn't walk up the stairs. I just like <laughs> gave up halfway up, went down on all fours and crawled up. Just yeah. fucking giggling yeah, like so a schoolgirl. You get some awesome euphoria, like you feel really, really happy for a few hours. Yeah, they were very euphoric. Yeah, wonderful product. What? I think one of those syringes says Golden Emperor on it. What do you think about like some of the more crazy stories about mushrooms or theories about their consciousness or, you know, them, them sort of, you know, like being here to help us evolve, that kind of thing? Like, have you ever spoken Super. to the archetype of the mushroom or the, you know, like. I, I haven't been that deep. To be honest, uh, but I I think you're referring to uh, the stone ape theory, the Terence McKenna. Yeah, kind of, maybe, yeah, maybe the maybe the more contemporary, new agey version of that. Let's say. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a super interesting theory. Um, I, I guess I'd say it's more plausible that mushrooms were uh, mushrooms have influenced human development and and have some sort of consciousness than. It is that there's a man in the sky that created the world in seven days. Yeah. How many different strains of spores are you guys moving right now? Uh, right now we have 17 strains available and we're working on expanding that as well. Uh, so we're expanding into some gourmet strains and then also into some other psilocybe species. Uh, we're we're going to do some experimentation with trying to grow some of those on wood chips. And they, they are they are. Uh, significantly harder to grow, but yeah, we're we're gonna play around with it. Is that like the penis envies? The tank of cubensis strains. Is that like the penis envies? Uh, penis envy is a cubensis. Penis envy actually has a super interesting history. I I just finished an article about it that's uh, going to be published fairly re- fairly uh, soon in Double Blind magazine, hopefully. Um, and uh, the yeah the, the the story behind penis envy uh, involves murder. Uh, it involves drug smuggling. It involves well. There's possibly a, a conspiracy uh, that that the guy who created the penis envy strain was murdered to stop the genetics from spreading. His name was Stephen Pollock, and he is actually uh, he's responsible for for discovering about ten psilocybe species, and he's been all but forgotten. Uh, he died in like the early 1980s, um, and it was just ruled a. Uh, 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 drug-related death or something like that and like not really investigated um there's it's it's a good it's an interesting article so where do yeah, people sure where can people find that we'll have a website and uh our instagram because it'll it'll there'll be a link on both of those what's your what's your website uh it's https sporeslab.io with the dash or without no dash sporeslab oh. one word yeah. Dot and what's your Insta? Uh, spores.lab. Spores.lab. Excellent. Well, we, 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 we try to do a bunch of informational posting on Instagram too. So, you know, if anyone has questions uh, that have arisen during this podcast, check out our Instagram and there's a good chance they'll be answered on there. And I think the website's got a pretty good rundown too. Definitely. Yeah. We've got a, about a, uh, you know, I think it, when I had it in a Word document, it was about 15 pages, uh, written tutorial and uh, about half an hour worth of video tutorials as well, covering our process from start to finish. So, wow. So you see a pretty positive future for 
this and you know in Canada, the states? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I, I think it's a pretty massive market. Um, psilocybin has been shown to be really both safe and effective in treating like depression, anxiety, addiction, PTSD, Alzheimer's. The list goes on. So when you put the markets for for all of the people suffering from all of those conditions together, it's a massive market. Like the the potential that this has to treat all of those conditions. Um, yeah, I, I think. Um, Alternative medicine and psychedelic medicine is is going to be huge in the next couple of years. And actually, on that note, um, just just kind of the industry expanding, uh, Spores Lab is planning to open the first uh, mushroom grow supply storefront in Canada that we know of. That it's possible that there is another one that I haven't heard of, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be the first. Where will that be? Our town of uh, Vernon, British Columbia. I mean, we'll have to come out for the grand opening. For sure. Yeah, we'll hook you up. We'll get you some supplies. We'll get you all set up. It'll be worth the drive for sure. Yeah, it'll be a fun trip. It's in the Okanagan too. Yeah, especially if it's summer. Yeah, you could bring your skis too. You could go Ooh, for a ski day. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Well, you let us know when that's happening and we'll come out for sure. There's not too many oh. Canadians that are not too far away that we have on the show. Yeah, yeah, I would love to have you guys out. All I think right. it's probably six or seven hours from Calgary. I think it's about seven hours. Yeah. Penticton's eight, I think seven or eight, maybe nine. Well, yeah. I think we'll have to do another one of these in a, like maybe in a month or so down the road when, when we've, when we've kind of gone through it and, and yeah, see how the progress is going. Yeah. And tried it. And uh, yeah, I think that's great. What I'll do is if, if we, what, I, what we'll do is we'll try it a couple of times. And uh, when we get it going well, we'll make a little YouTube video of the whole sort of process and time lapse it and do all that. Don't do all that Sounds on the first good. one of the fucking tank explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I didn't want to send in the ISO because sometimes the yeah, ISO open flame explosion. Yeah, that shit's scary for um, sure. Um, okay, uh, do you ship to the states? Uh, we're actually. Going to be launching international shipping early 2021. Uh, so we're, we're thinking like the first weekend of January. Uh, we just couldn't take international payment up until now, but we've got that sorted out. Um, so after the holiday kind of craze dies down, uh, we're going to start shipping. But that will actually only be spore syringes and auxiliary products. Uh, like I said, that mycelium is still a little bit gray. And uh, we just don't want to take our chances That's the with that. Tray. So. We'll, we'll be shipping spore syringes to every state but California, Georgia, and Idaho. Uh, those are the three states that actually spores are illegal in, except for Oakland and I believe it's San Jose, the two cities in California that have decriminalized. And that was the tray, right? Uh, the mycelium? Yeah, we will not be shipping mycelium to the states. That's the tray, we'll right? Shipping, yeah. That's the we'll tray with the agate or whatever? Agar, Agar yeah. Agar, so yeah. No, cultures um no no uh, mushroom spawn so like the bag of that you've got there um just the the, uh, the grain jar with the grain the spore syringes um everything you need though grade. yeah when we will we'll still sell you know 80 uh, percent of the products on our website to the states just no live cultures and everything you need exactly yeah everything yeah. you need to do it from spore yeah Wow, well, that's great news because our audience is like seventy or seventy-five percent U.S. based. So, um, 
and they've know, been asking. They've been asking. They, they've been asking. We've had a lot of requests too. So I think we're, uh, we're stoked to open it up to the states, and then actually worldwide is is what it's going to be. So. There's, oh yeah, uh, there's two or three countries that you can't ship to. Oh yeah, somebody's but, asking about microdosing too in the chats. I just noticed it go through there. Any reliable source for microdose with lion's mane and silo? Uh, yes, I would say uh, penisenvymushroom.com. Uh, they there's got a they got four blends on there, and there is one with uh, lion's mane and psilocybin. Multi mush. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll put a link to that I in the show notes. Personally, personally vouch for the quality of those microbes. Yeah. And there's another one, isn't there, as well? I like the vitamin C one. Uh, yes. Well, I think they got a few blends. There's the multi-mush, uh, which is the lion's mane one. There's the nootropic boost, which has niacin as well. Oh, right. uh, which, yeah, yeah. which works uh, congruently with psilocybin. They complement each other. Uh, they both... Uh, stimulate the production of different neurotransmitters that that when you take them both at the same time, uh, it compounds the effect of each other. Nice. That's the that's the niacin one, and then they've got a few different dosage sizes as well. So like a two fifty milligram, uh, one twenty five milligram, and then a specific penis envy microdose, which um, is is fairly rare as far as I know. <clears throat> There's a lot of studies in the microdosing too, and a lot of a lot of positive. Things, you know, people yeah. saying less anxiety and more creativity and there's all kinds yeah. of, all kinds of studies happening. Yeah. Everyone I know around. that's trying it has enjoyed, has enjoyed it. I, I find that it just kind of raises my baseline mood a little bit. And, you know, I, I don't really struggle with, with depression or anxiety or, or anything, luckily. Um, but I, I find it just puts me in a little bit better of a mood. It makes it harder to annoy me. You know, like I'm, I'm just, I'm a little happier. Cool. What was the website again? Uh, PenisEnvyMushroom.com. We'll have Make a, sure you do an image search. Don't do an image. Don't do an Im- Don't <laughs> click on that image tab. And of course, we'll have that in the show notes, like we always do. Well, that by the time if you listen to this on audio and the show notes are out already, then you can just click the link in the show notes, and away you go. Beautiful. Well, right on, Jeff. I think we covered everything. Is there anything we didn't get to? Uh, no, I think that's everything now. We, that was pretty good, pretty good uh, coverage. Yeah, that was a good rundown. Yeah, excellent. Well, I mean, we couldn't be we couldn't be happier. We feel blessed to have you in our corner and sending out this stuff to try out. And uh, you've been a big uh, supporter for a while now, and we thank you for that. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. You guys keep doing what you're doing. I've I've been loving your Instagram feed. The memes you guys post are are absolute gold. Yeah, those comes from the meme, the meme channel and the chats mainly. So I steal some from Cruising Mistake as well. I obviously I enjoy the show too, but yeah, I try and keep the memes kind of like that. I don't go too extreme. They're they're all kind of you know. I don't get too political or anything in there. I wonder what too extreme yeah. would be for Graham. Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeff. Well, big thanks for coming on the show. Big thanks for letting us try this out. And uh, yeah, we'll be chatting again real soon. My pleasure. I wish you guys the best of luck with your uh, your growing endeavors. Thanks, Merry buddy. Christmas. Yep. Merry Christmas to you too. Okay. See ya. See you later. This friggin' mouse. And that was our chat with Jeff. Jeff, the shroom guy. What do you think, buddy? Yeah. I was. I'm pretty confused. Yeah. You know, no. I'm, no. It's it's good. It's exciting. You're thoroughly confused. It's exciting. I can't wait to see the the tips. What are they? What did he call them? Not the tips. The 
the uh, the nips, no, the tips, no, the uh, the pins, pins. The pins. pins, pins, the pinning, yeah, the pins, the pinning. Can't wait to see them pin. There you go. All right. Well, big thanks to Jeff for coming on the show. Big thanks to Spores Lab for sending us all this fantastic stuff. We got like a year's worth of growing mushroom growing supplies here. I don't think so, dude. It's only like three, two or three little batches. Well, it's four batches. Is it? And then you did each one takes a couple of months by the time you. Oh, you think that each one gets multiple flushes? Yeah, every one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Better keep that freezer plugged in. There you go. In. Yeah, what are you, you going to do it all? We'll, we'll keep all that stuff at your place. In the closet? We can't. <laughs> you go down. We'll blame your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, big thanks to all those guys. Stirrups calling him a hero. There you go. Attaboy. We got to go on his show soon. I mean, uh, big big shout out to these guys. They've been helping us out for forever now, and it's been great. And... Uh, that's to be a fun thing. We'll see Graham's nips. Nips. Pins. Pins. I like pins. Pins and needles. Uh, if you guys are getting some value from the podcast, you want to send a little value back our way, help us pay the bills, help us build infrastructure, and help us uh, get away from all the stuff that could deplatform us one day if they do say so see fit, uh, head over to grammarica.ca slash support. Make a one-time donation. Sign up for a monthly uh, do what you can. There's a bunch of ways to support the show that don't cost any money. Rate the show, share the show, review the show, tell your friends about the show, buy some swag, whatever. Support the show is good, though. That's how we pay the bills. We have no sponsors, no ads. Just need you guys to step up, support the show. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, what else you got? That's it. That's it. We love yeah. you. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
Wallet.